You're listening to The Bucket List with Beefy and Diana Simons. Beefy, you know, Peter Brock's winning cars on sale this weekend. They reckon it's going to go for as much as half a million dollars. Is there any other sporting memorabilia in Australia that's come close to that? Well, Bradman's 1948, his baggy green, $425,000. Wow. I did find a Bradman bat that was used and very rare, sold for $110,000 a few mm-hmm. years ago. Apparently used the bat to score 112 for Australia against South Africa in the second test in Sydney in 31-32. And it was signed by loads of people, which is really weird. That's funny because a couple of years ago I had an autographed cricket bat from Brett Lee. Oh, nice. He was giving it away at one of the radio stations I worked at. He released a song and it was in conjunction with it. Number one in India, that was. Don't think it made the charts here. But how about this? Babe Ruth, the baseball legend, his 1927 World Series ring went for 2.1 million. Guess who bought it? Who? Charlie Sheen. Oh, really? What's a series ring? When you win the World Championship, they basically give, in America, World Series rings. They actually get a memorabilia ring, fully gold, everything else. Players get them. So Tom Brady has won six Super Bowls. He's got six Super Bowl rings. Bling, bling. Oh, yeah, bling, bling indeed. This is my favourite sportsman of all time, Muhammad Ali. The Fight of the Century gloves sold for $632,000 back in 2016. So this is when Muhammad Ali fought Joe Frazier at Madison Square Garden. Frazier obviously won that fight on points. He sent Muhammad Ali to the canvas for one of the first times in his career. Frazier went on to win $632,000. Do you want to buy Michael Schumacher's Formula One car? Yes, From I do. 2001, 7.5 million. The official car's title is F2001, driven by Schumacher to two victories in 2001, one of which was his last win at Monaco. Wow. thing about when you buy these Formula One cars, they can actually go and drive them. There's an actual series that supports Formula One called Historic Formula One, yeah. where you can actually race your Formula One car you've bought. I don't know if you want to throw away $7.5 million in case you might crash it, but the most expensive piece of sporting memorabilia, the 1963 Ferrari 250 GTO, 2018, $70 million. $70 million for a car. This car won the 1964 Tour de France, most expensive car in the world, they reckon. Ferrari built only 39 250 GTOs between 62 and 64, and this is the only one that's ever been sold on the open market in recent times. So if you've got a spare 70 mil, buy Brocky's car and the 250 Ferrari. Yep, that's how you can spend your money on the bucket list. You're listening to The Bucket List. This morning we're chatting to Emily Burns. She is the secretary of The Singleton Show. We're excited. You've got this show coming up. And bull riding, tell us about the bull riding. I believe it's crazy. You have to be crazy to do it. A lot of people may not know of it as a serious sport, but the people that get out there and ride these bulls are athletes. They train really hard all the time. They have to be so fit and strong, and you have to be able to stay on top of a bucking bull at the same time. Yeah, you indeed you do. And, and this is like something out of... <laughs> this is like something out of a movie isn't it it is like a movie set when you actually get out there and it's there's the dust and there's the big ring and you've got all these guys with big cowboy hats on and their chaps walking around a lot of the guys bring their own gear with them they have their own professional gear that they use and it, it really is quite an amazing thing to see so people are bringing camping chairs and just sitting there and watching 
absolutely. It's a bit of a tradition. You pull up your chair and your picnic blanket and it's a real family occasion. You all sit back and watch the, watch the excitement happen. We have a couple of well-known bull riding families in Singleton. One is Cody Heffernan. Cody's been competing worldwide in he the has, US yeah. and he's amazing. I don't even know whether he'll be attending our show this year. He could very well be overseas, but a lot of his family members come and attend and support the show and compete every year. One of the other friends of our show, Dylan Hedges, he's definitely coming to the Singleton Show this year because he is going to defend his Australian wife-carrying championship. Well, he better watch out. There's a lot of more entries have been coming in. Wow. The applications are coming in. The competition's going to be pretty tough this year. It's because the word has been out on our show. Probably has been, yeah. <laughs> We've been publicising it. We love it. We have to tell our listeners, if somebody come down and, and they win the Australian championships, they get to go to Finland to compete on behalf of Australia, the whole nation, to represent the country in the World Wife Carrying Championships. And we need an Australian winner. We do. They were really close this year. They came in, I think it was about 11th place out of 60, which is fantastic. So I think they were amazing an effort to, to get out there and to do so well. And some of these other countries have been training for, for years and years and years. And, like, this is their number one prime sport. <laughs> so, you know, it's serious business when you get to this level. Tell us about the, the obstacle course. You've got a swimming pool there, for instance. Has anyone... We do. There's seven obstacles and they have to get through a gruelling sand pit. Then they have to jump over haystacks. Then they have to go through six tyres, a tyre run. Then they have to go over a hurdle and under a limbo bar. Then they have to actually climb over a seesaw. This is all while carrying one and <laughs> carrying the wife. The wife has to dismount the husband and jump into the swimming pool and swim through about 10 metres of murky cold water, stop and then mount her husband again and then her boyfriend or partner, whatever you want to call it, and that is the official words in the, in the rules that she has to remount her husband and then get through to the finish line. Has anyone actually drowned? No, I think I would even <laughs> if I just got through the first obstacle. But these, the most of the competitors are extremely fit and they just make it look so easy. Yeah. <laughs> now, obviously, we've talked about the ball riding, we've talked about the wife carrying. What else is there to see and do at the Singleton Show this year? Oh, what isn't there? The Singleton Show is amazing. It is a traditional old-school country show. Um, we have a demolition derby. Tell us about the demolition derby quickly. Oh, haven't you ever been to a demolition derby? It's amazing. It's basically a group of crazy people that bring in these cars, get them up and running, and then they drive around and smash into each other, and the last car running and moving is the winner. And it's dirty and dusty and really noisy. <laughs> you're a petrol head, you'd love it. <laughs> I did hear one rumour that there's someone coming from Melbourne to compete in the wife carrying and he might be a ninja warrior. Oh. oh. There you go. Someone that you may know. So there you go. We'll keep you posted. Definitely. Thanks for your support. We've just been talking this morning to Emily Burns, the Assistant Secretary of the Singleton Show. Thanks for your time, Emily. We have Daniel Ciccone from Sportsnet Holidays. ATP Cup is going to be in all over Australia early January 2020. The, the ATP Cup, it's the richest non-Grand Slam tennis event in the world. $22 million in prize money. It's a male-only event played across Sydney, Brisbane and Perth. The group stages will be held concurrently across those three cities with the quarterfinals, semifinals and final to be played in Sydney. 24 nations, 
six groups with four nations in each, two groups per city, uh, and each nation plays the other nation in their group once. Each tie, it is best of three matches, which is two singles matches, then there's a doubles match as well. The format will be first-ranked player from one nation versus the first-ranked player from the other nation. The second singles match will be the second-ranked player versus the second-ranked player from the other nation. Doubles match can be any ranked player. The winner of each group and the two best-placed runners-up will make the final eight knockout stage in Sydney. It's new, fresh, just before the Australian Open. It's taken over from the likes of the Hotman Cup. It's super exciting. It's the World Cup of Tennis. Group C is Switzerland, Belgium, Great Britain, Australia being drawn in Group F in Brisbane, Germany, Greece, Canada and Australia. This is phenomenal. And when you've mentioned the prize money, $22 million, that is going to attract the best players on the planet. Number one, the, the, the prize money, exactly. But number two, it's also the warm-up to the Australian Open. It's an exciting new event as part of the ATP calendar. The fact that you've got a choice of three cities for the same event. If you love Brisbane, you can go to Brisbane. If you love Sydney, you can go to Sydney. It is the closest thing to a Tennis World Cup. Djokovic is playing for Serbia. Uh, Tsitsipas is playing for Greece. Uh, Nadal for Spain. Medvedev, who just came runners-up at the US Open for, for Russia. Uh, Roger Federer is playing for Switzerland. Andy Murray is going to be back for Great Britain. You know, if you want to follow the Australians, Kyrgios and, and Dimanura are going to be uh, representing us down under. What kind of packages are you going to be looking at? We're going to have our group age packages, which obviously are Sydney, Brisbane and Perth. Guests can mix and match any match in any city or alternatively, they can buy every group match in any city they wish. Then we also have our packages for the finals. Our guests can mix and match any of the finals in Sydney, whether it's the quarterfinals, the semifinals or the finals. They only want to go to one, two or, or all of those matches. We've got something for everyone. The idea of these packages is they are going to be absolutely stockpiled with let's go to the tennis. It's a new event and that's what we're focused on, getting people to the tennis. Through, through sports that you get access to lower level tickets. On top of that, for the little time that we've allowed outside of the tennis, in Brisbane we've thrown in a, a Brisbane wheel admission, in Sydney a, a Sydney Tower Eye observation deck, and, and in Perth, who doesn't like to, to cruise down the Swan River? Who did that as well? The decent prize money is going to secure the best players on the planet, and Sportsnet Holiday is going to be in pole position to get you the best tickets, the best accommodation, and close-up views. Absolutely, BP, and, and, and as always, give Daniel a bell, 1-300-888-858, www.sportsnetholidays.com. This is The Bucket List with Beefy and Diana Simons. With the bucket list from the AFLW and from the Carton Blues, it is Jess Hosking. Jess, you've had some good news this week. Um, tell us about it. I have. I found out that I was nominated for the Jim Steins Community Leadership Award, which is happening at the Brownlow. Get to frock up a little bit, which oh. will be a bit of fun. Beautiful. Get dressed to the nines and get on that red carpet. You've got an identical twin sister as well. Were you drafted like 78 and 79 in the draft, literally next to each other? No, there was drafted first. I was actually injured that year, so I wasn't sure if I was going to be picked up at all. But Carlton uh, picked me up and it kind of meant I had that two-year contract because I was going to play the following year. And yeah, we're, we're just lucky enough that the two of us are playing at the same club. And I, I think if I wasn't injured, I probably wouldn't have worked out that way. Right. So, if I took you back five years, would you ever have dreamed that you You'd be playing footy in front of such huge grades. I look back five years ago and, and the competition wasn't even announced, so I wasn't even playing footy. Um, I was playing netball and I think the biggest crowd I'd played in front of was probably 50 people. So, yeah, yeah going to that 53,000 over in the grand final was just unbelievable and wasn't really a dream because there, there was no competition and I didn't have that in mind at the time. And, and not only that, it's not seen as a stigma anymore either. It's, it's good. I go down to so many junior clubs 
clubs and most of the time now there's actually more women's teams than there are men's teams around. It's definitely started its own movement. And sort of footy, you've done the Eureka Stair Climb and yep. in November, what are you going to do? Um, I've signed myself up for the New York Marathon. Me and uh, my sister Sarah will be going over to New York and we're running a New York Marathon. Have you ever run a marathon before? I don't want to be rude if you have. No, I haven't. I get the same response from everyone. They kind of laugh at me when I say I haven't. But I attempted a half marathon about two months ago and on the Saturday I'd played footy and netball and clocked up about 20k. And then on the Sunday, did the half marathon. So slowly training, pulled up okay from that. So hopefully that's a good start for the marathon. Yeah, definitely. So you're still playing netball as well as playing footy and running half marathon. That's a hell of a weekend. (laughs) Yeah, I I don't really like to rest, I guess. Still play um, netball in our off-season of AFL. Is there any sporting events that are on your bucket list that you're desperate to go and see? Yeah, I want to do all the um, all the state ones. So I want to do a basketball event, American football. I was lucky enough last time I was over there to do the baseball, but I want to tick off all the major sporting over in the states, so yeah. hockey as well. So I'll tell you what we're going to do. When you come back from New York, we're going to call you and we're going to get the lowdown on what you saw, how you did in the marathon, how your sister is. So <laughs> is there a competitive rivalry between you and Sarah about running the marathon? Have you set each other goals at, uh, or are you just going to beat each other? There is. I think we've um, we've said to each other we just want to finish it. We don't want to push ourselves too much considering we're going into pre-season. Sure. But at the same time, we are very competitive. So when we say that we're going to run the race together, it's probably going to get to the last 100 metres and I'll try and trip her up so I can finish before it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's going to be one for the uh, TV cameras to watch out for with yeah. YouTube running across the line. Thanks for joining us on the bucket list this morning. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Beefy, the Labour Cup is on now. It is. It's in uh, Geneva. Oh, that'd be a nice place to play. I would have thought so. It's indoor, though. Do you know about the Labour Cup? Not really. Yeah, it's quite new. It's kind of, they've modelled it on the Ryder Cup of golf, which is Team Europe versus Team USA. So this is Team Europe versus Team World. What exactly is Team World? Everyone that's not in Europe. So basically the US and Australia and a few others. We're playing with the US. In the same team. Yeah. So Team World... John Eisner, the big serving American, Milos Rianich from Canada, Nick Kyrgios, super Nick Kyrgios, as he likes to be known now, apparently. Does he? Good for him. Dennis Shapilov, he's another Canadian. Jack Sock, he's American. Taylor Fritz, he's American. And Jordan Thompson, the Aussie. Europe have obviously got Nadal, Federer, Dominic Thiem, Alexander Zrev, Stefanas Tsipitas, Fabio Fognini, he's Italian, and Roberto Batista Ugut. Bjorn Berg is the captain or coach for uh, Team Europe. And uh, John McEnroe is the coach for Team World, who's taken Nick Kyrgios under his wing this week. And Mm -hmm. um, Nick's behaved himself, actually. He's been quite good. How many days has it been, though? It's only just started. Europe are 3-1 up at the minute after the first four games. That'll be interesting to see if he does behave um, under McEnroe's tutelage. McEnroe is a big fan of Kyrgios. Obviously thinks they're cut from the same cloth, so to speak. Kyrgios is just wildly talented. Who's he going to be playing next? He's up against Federer very, very shortly. Wow. Would you bet any money on who's going to win that one? Well, Federer playing in Switzerland is probably a good bet. But Kyrgios, you never know who's going to turn up with Kyrgios. I mean, he could just blast him 6-0, 6-0, and you think, oh, that was good. You never know. The interesting thing is he gets on well with him, so he hasn't got the fire there. Yeah, it's not as if it's a Nadal grudge match or anything like that. I'm surprised they didn't pair them together to have a real... Why does he hate Nadal so much? To do with Nadal's brother or Nadal's 
dad said something yeah. bad about Curios uh, in the past that Nick took much offence to, but it's ongoing. That will rage for years to come, Di. It is the bucket list. We're going to speak to Steve Monaghetti shortly. Does your sporting club or community group need help with fundraising? My Club Shop is your essential fundraising partner. This free service is simple to use and can provide a 12-month-a-year revenue stream. With support from great companies like Samsung and TCL and new features being added daily, this revolutionary platform is a complete game changer. Did we mention it's all free? All you have to do is log on to myclubshop.com.au to register your interest and one of our friendly team will get in touch straight away. That's myclubshop.com.au. This is The Bucket List with Beefy and Diana Simons. On the bucket list this morning, Commonwealth Games gold medalist way back in 1994. He is the marathon man, Australia's finest. It is Steve Monaghetti. Steve, good morning. How are you? Oh, not that long ago. Don't age me. <laughs> so I still remember it well. You run the Berlin Marathon three hours 27 just a couple of years ago. So you would have been, what, 54? Believe it or not, I was actually on one leg. So oh, okay. I'm, I'm, I reckon I'm going a little bit better than that. I, I ran a, an age record for 15K about six weeks ago here in Victoria. Oh, so beautiful. 55 to 60. It's been fortunate enough to just be able to continue, slow down gracefully, I call it, but yeah. rather than just sort of either not run at all or not be able to because my body doesn't let me up. And I continue to run. I run sort of 80, 90 K weeks and do sessions and still love that competitive side of racing. Canada in 94 would be the highlight, but were any others that really stood out for you? Well, to be honest, I know it's, it's always strange, but my highlight of my career, all the races I won, the one that I remember most fondly is the third place at the Worlds in 97, to be yep. honest, in in Athens. I finished fourth, would you believe, in my second marathon in 87. It took me 10 years, <laughs> and I went to about another five or six world championships before I improved that one spot to get on the dais. And it started at the town of Marathon, ran the 25 miles plus the one mile we went up past the un- Tomb of the Unknown Soldier and then finished in the old stadium in Athens. And to have a, a world place, that was my only world championship medal for me, and to be running into that historic stadium to finish was just like the marathon gods were shining on me. So I kind of look at that as my highlight, to be honest. You're seen as a mentor for a lot of Australian marathon runners right now, and Australia's marathon running stocks are very, very high, and it's become quite an attractive event for a lot of runners, and Australian athletics is phenomenal. We've always been pretty good at the distance running stuff. You know, we had Ron Clark and guys, Derek Clayton, through the 60s, and, and we've always just seemed to have distance runners who were up and about, and I obviously had Rob Beckerstall and Lisa Ondiecki in my era to follow on from, and then we sort of brought through Craig Mottram and Troopy, and, and now we've lost the, the women have been, they've been showing us up, they've been smashing us for a few years, we're catching up, we've got a couple of men who are up and about now with Jack Rayner and Robbo, and uh, the guy from Ballarat who I train a little bit yeah. with here, Julian Spence, off to the world, so... Yeah, things are going well. I tell you, the women are going unbelievably yes. well. You just need to be in your 40s, though. <laughs> I can't work out what they're doing. Now, obviously, round the corner is the uh, World Championships over in Qatar. What is uh, Australia's chances? Well, I certainly think our field games are where we've been strong. You know, the Jav, the pole vault, and um, as you say, the walks. So it seems to be just a new era. I think there's some younger people coming through. You know, Curtis Marsh has been terrific. And, you know, obviously, I was close to the team at Commonwealth Games last year. And just saw a number of emerging athletes and 
this will be an opportunity. It's going to be pretty hot and probably not all that conducive for the distance events, but certainly for our sprinters and field games. A strange place to go for the World Championships because nobody quite knows what to expect and uh, you do expect <laughs> the best in uh, in World Championships. Yeah, I, I think the interesting, and obviously you want some atmosphere in the stadiums and a lot of the athletes will be coming from Diamond Leagues. From an athlete's perspective, you know, it's the competition prior to Tokyo. There's a lot to prove and a lot to show. So athletes will be just focused on performance yeah. And if the track's fast and the conditions are good, then that's all I'll be worried about. Now, we always ask all of our guests, is there any sporting event that you haven't quite ticked off to go and get to when you get that spare bit of time? Oh, I love my basketball, to be honest. I'm, I'm the number one ticket holder for the Ballarat Lions here, and I love my NBL. So I'd love to be courtside at an NBA game. And, and I would have loved to have done it when, you know, MJ was about, but yeah. um, I'd still take it now. That'd be OK. I could put up with it. So that'd be my, um, probably the highlight for me, if I had a bucket list, that'd be top of the list, I reckon. Well, Steve, I know you've got to go for a run. I know you'll uh, be dying to have <laughs> your breakfast when you get back. So, uh, Steve, thanks a lot for joining us on the bucket list this morning. It has been awesome to talk to you, and we wish yourself all the best for the future, and uh, obviously the Aussies for Doha uh-huh. next week. And Tokyo. And thanks, Tokyo twenty. Enjoy your Saturday. No Appreciate worries at all. I really enjoyed the chat. You're listening to The Bucket List. All the way from Wales, we've got BBC's own Sean Holly. Sean, it is Rugby World Cup time. Are you excited? I'm very excited, BF. Playing to Japan next week. Get to see the Wales Australia game. Really looking forward to it. Haven't the Japanese fans got behind this? It has been awesome. Yeah, there's a lot of energy around this World Cup. The teams are jockeying for position. Certainly England look very, very strong. Scotland have had a better end to their warm-up campaign. So have Ireland and Wales. Haven't had a great build-up. But, you know, all the teams have been preparing really, really well. Japan think they're going to win the World Cup. I look forward to that day, that's for sure. It's been played on pretty much neutral soil for the first time in a long time. Home advantage does play a huge part in World Cups. As you know, there's a lot of teams that can potentially now win this. They have the belief that they can win a World Cup maybe for the first time. For me, New Zealand are still the favourites. For me, if New Zealand get to the final, they win it. But that's the big if. Can somebody knock them over on the way there? Now, our Australian listeners will want to know, can they go deep in this Rugby World Cup? Yeah, I think they can. I think the Wallabies have shown in previous World Cups that they time it right. In Australia, they do have the players that are capable of taking them deep into the tournament. It's a, it's not a bad pool for the Wallabies when you look at it. They should be really confident of getting out and then, you know, I would back them in a quarter final. Anything can happen in a one-off game, but I think the Australian fans can look at it and with a bit more confidence perhaps than they, in the position they were in this time last year and see their team going deep into the tournament. I'm probably right thinking, you've probably been to every World Cup Sean since 1987. What is so special about the Rugby World Cup? I think I've been to every rugby match since 1987. <laughs> My role as a, as a coach for 20 years and now a TV analyst and pundit and I, I watch all the games and I love the game. I love the dynamics of it the thrills and spills I mean we're going to see more and more of that in this World Cup what we get in World Cups is extraordinary games and extraordinary individual performances and uh, all the fans whether they're in Japan or watching on TV will will be excited to see that everybody's looking at the All Blacks everybody wants to knock them off their pedestal every time thanks for joining us on this Saturday morning Sean Holly there from the BBC on the Bucket List This is The Bucket List with Beefy and Diana Simons. This weekend in England, there is the Egermont 
fair, Beefy. The Egamont Crab Fair. Up in the northwest of England, yeah. They have some pretty strange things happening in the UK. Well, Di, it's the World Gurning Championships. Can you explain what gurning is? Basically, it's pulling funny faces. Nobody actually knows the history of how this thing's come around, but it is such an amazing event, the fact that you can have a world champion face puller. Uh, some of these faces they pull are extremely ugly. Women do it too. Yeah, there's a male and female. I think there's even a kids' gurning championship now as well. Oh, poor kids. But it is a very English thing, this gurning. Oh, yeah, they love it. Love it. If you've got false teeth, that is an advantage. You can contort your face very easily. Do you have any skills with this? No, I'm okay. too beautiful, Di. I am too beautiful. What else is happening at the uh, Egmont Crab Fair? Well, there's a greasy pole climb. It is a pole that's covered in grease and you've got to try and climb it. There's a prize up on the top. Can you climb a greasy pole? If you've got strong thighs. Yeah, oh yeah. Look at your cheek. Would you wear greaseproof pants? There you go. (laughs) But it's also the World Championship Squirrel Cook-Off if you're in Bentonville, Arkansas. Do you love the taste of squirrel in the morning? Oh, I do. I'll have that with eggs for breakfast. From One Cover Travel Insurance, here's Isha with a travel tip. Today my travel tip is all about leveraging your network when you go overseas. Whether you're traveling solo with your partner or with your family, I think it really helps to know people in the place that you're in, even if it's just someone to call on for a last-minute restaurant recommendation or something like that. And if you don't know anyone, then you'll surely find that you have friends of friends who do. If you're on Facebook or any other social media, just tell people that you're in a certain part of the world, and often people will chime in offering amazing insights, and sometimes they'll connect you with locals that they know that can give you some excellent travel tips. When planning your next holiday, make sure you take out travel insurance from OneCover. Call OneCover on 1300 192 021 or onecover.com.au.